dismissed. Go ahead and grab a seat. What a delight to be with you today, to be doing what we're doing together, declaring God's name big, singing together, reflecting back on all God has done. Wow, five years. I love that. Wow. Oh my. It has been a beautiful time. Thank you so much for being here today. And what a joy just to stand back and to look at God's hand over the last five years together. Weren't those just marvelous uh, stories of what God's doing? So sweet. Um, you know, in all that, one of the things I just want to say is uh, uh, as awesome as that is, we don't want to be that church that's a looking back only church. Um, some of you may know what I'm talking about to where it's kind of like the past was the best of times. Almost more like uh, 2007, that's when there were greater opportunities. Or the sky was brighter in 2008. The grass was greener in 2009. Uh, People were friendlier in 2010. Or that uh, the memories were sweeter in 2011. And God was bigger in 2012. Hey, listen, looking back on the past should motivate us for what's ahead. And we want to be a moving forward, entering in kind of a place. We look at the feats of God so that our feet can move ahead. Uh, That's the design of this. And uh, uh, we are looking forward to studying that from Joshua today. Well, for about the 250th time, I get to say, uh, please grab your Bibles. Um, We are big about the Bible around here. If you don't have a Bible, Kenny's over here. Got some, just flag them down. We'll get some Bibles in your hand. Uh, We want to do that. We're in Joshua chapter 3. Joshua is the sixth book of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. And we are in chapter 3 with that. And as we get ready to dig into a passage that's just so fitting for today, I want to start with a question. And the question is this. Are you prepared and are you positioned to see God at work? Are you a person that is prepared and positioned to see God at work? Okay, before we get going in God's word, let me pray. Lord, we are entering your word. We've had the opportunity this morning to come in and see one another, to come in and sing, and and now we continue our worship of you in your word. God, again, I ask, Show yourself. Not me. Nothing else. Just you. God, show yourself. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Where are we at? Joshua what? Chapter 3. If you're joining with us for the first time, we are in a series going through the book of Joshua. And uh, we're in chapter, what was that again? chapter 3. What a cool text for today. Let me just get started. Here we go. Chapter one, chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, you covered some of this last week, but I'm just going to uh, bring it in. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shechem, and they came to the Jordan, and he and all the people of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over, before they passed over the Jordan River. Just hold there for, for a minute. Uh, this is a seven-mile walk. How, how many miles? 
about seven miles. It's a good walk. And so in many ways, we kind of go, okay, that's a good walk, and that's kind of nice. And we forget about the reality of what this takes to do. This is a huge endeavor every time these people move. There's some two million people with everything that they own, plus all their donkeys and camels and kitty cats and everything else that they have. They're moving that. They're going seven miles towards the Jordan. And we have to just understand how organized all this happens. And you can see on the screen a, a representation of what it looked like to be camped as the people of Israel. And one of the things about this is, is you can see that here is the, the tabernacle area in the middle over here of that. That's where the Ark of the Covenant would stay in the portable Holy of Holies. And you can see all these people camped around. And, and in many ways you go, boy, that looks almost like a, an RV parking lot or something like that. So organized. And, and it was. It was very organized, minus the RVs. Uh, I don't have time to go through it, but when they camped, they camped and they positioned themselves all by their tribes in a certain order. It was very organized. By the way, God is an organized God. And he organizes them all together. And so when it comes for them to leave, uh, they all get up and it actually begins. The tribe of Judah heads out first, then the articles and everything associated with the tabernacle, then follow. And then all the other tribes follow in an order. And the tribe of Dan uh, brings up the rear of the whole process. And, and many times you needed uh, that tribe at the end because they were a warrior kind of a people to cover the backside of things. And so they're moving along. And so the seven-mile endeavor is just a huge thing taking on where they get up, they all move, they all come over to the Jordan, and then they all reset up again. Verse 2, at the end of the three days, the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people. And here's what they told them. As soon as you see the ark, now they're by the, they're by the Jordan, if you will. As soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it about how many cubits? 2,000 cubits in length. Uh, do not come near it, uh, the ark, in order that you may know the way you shall go. For you have not passed this way before. So they pick up, they move, they're there for three days, and then they're told that when the priests come and grab everything out of the tabernacle and begin the process to move across the Jordan, everybody else is supposed to follow. And then how far back are they supposed to be? 2,000 cubits, and we know how big that is. <laughs> Not 2,000 cubits. It's basically 3,000 feet. There's 5,280 feet in a mile, and if my math... Uh, serves me correctly, that's 56% of a mile. This is a half mile behind the ark. This is a big deal. Because I ask the question, I'm just the way I think and I work, why? Why a half mile? Um, because here's one of the things about it is, you don't see other texts of the scripture saying, uh, you must always stay a half mile away. In fact, uh, uh, when they're in the camp, the ark is in the Holy of Holies, and so it's not like they all come around. And, and it is true that you can't touch the, the box, the, the ark of the covenant, uh, but yet they never had a half-mile rule before. Why now? I think it's a good question. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Let's keep on going. Verse 5. Then Joshua said to the people, and this is what you talked about last week, consecrate yourselves. 
It's kind of like all this action talk is going, okay, everybody, we're going to move, and then three days, and then, and then when you see all the priests come up, we're going to start moving, but then pause, push the pause button. It says, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Boy, Karen and I really miss being here with you last week. Uh, when I was working with the other pastors we were putting last week together, I was just like, oh, man, that's going to be a cool Sunday. And just so neat to hear a number of you just say how blessed that was to push the pause button and stop. Uh, by the way, thank you for letting us uh, kind of step away. Uh, we went over to Harvest Peoria, and uh, Tim Harkness, the senior pastor there, had uh, surgery. He had a tumor on his pituitary gland, and so he's out for a month or so. And it was just cool for us to be able to love on our brothers and sisters in Christ. So thank you for letting us do that. Uh, but here in the text, consecrate yourselves. Pastor Cody led you in talking about that. It's a pause. It's a pause to reflect, a pause to think. And, and Pastor Eric was asking some questions in the service. You know, is there sin, some sin in your life that needs to be made right? I mean, Psalm 139, David, God, just show in me, show. Is there anything in me that needs to be made right before you? Am I caught up in something? God, show me. Is there something I know I should be doing, but I'm not doing uh, that you want me to do, and I have been delaying in that? God, show me. Pause. Why? Why the pause? Because verse 5, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I love this. This is this idea that, listen, God wants to impress himself upon people. God wants you to know who he is and what he's like. He wants to impress himself upon people here. And I just ask you, uh, uh, are you impressed with God? Let me ask that better. How impressed are you with God? How big is your God. You know, we all have a tendency, we all do, to punify God. We carve him down to our statue, our stature. We manage him. We limit him to our perplexities and to our possibilities. God can only be as big as I can imagine God to be. And he's got to be a lot like me. Listen, friends, Yahweh is no little league deity. How big is God to you? Verse 6. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, Pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. Let's talk about the Ark for just a minute here because I think this is something that I and we generally just don't quite grab a hold of. So just a couple pieces of information about the Ark here. Now you can see it on the screen and a couple things about the Ark. The Ark carries just a huge centerpiece in the book of Joshua and especially in chapters 3 and 4 it's mentioned 17 times in these two chapters here 
Uh, inside the box of the Ark of the Covenant, I understand, uh, contained three things. Uh, the ten words or the ten commandments uh, would be in there. The second thing is, is a pot with manna that God said to hang on to this to remember. And the third thing is Aaron's rod. Now, you can see that there's two cherubim on this, and their wings are extended together. And from out of the Pentateuch and the Old Testament, we clearly get this idea that that is the area that represents God's throne seat. That's where God sits, if you will. That's where God, it talks about, speaks out of that spot right there. And so what God has done, I mean, just so cool for us, he's put together kind of this physical representation of himself. And when that thing moves, God is moving. Where that thing is at, that's God's manifest presence happening there. And it's so interesting in all this talk, because if you know the story, as we've talked about it up to this date, they're in the process of about to cross the Jordan. They're to go over into the promised land and they're to conquer this promised land. Now, that's very much war terminology, uh, a war invasion kind of talk. But we hear nothing in the Hebrew here about Uzis or cannons or uh, missiles or anything like that. In fact, all of the talk here at this point is about a spiritual encounter with God. I love military stuff. It just stuns me. But this is the kind of thing here right at this point that God is doing a work. And get ready for God to do a work because you folks in here are about to experience an encounter with Yahweh. Get ready for it. Hey, you want to see God work? Get prepared. Are you prepared to see God work? You know, it's interesting because uh, God can work all around, I think, and a lot of times we just completely forget. Do you realize the fact that the, the sun came up this morning is just the consistent work of an amazing creator, God? The fact that you and I are here breathing right this moment is the fact of an amazing creator God doing work. And yet how often do we just let that just go by? I go back to the Gospels and I think in the New Testament where how many thousands of people literally came face to face with Jesus Christ. They saw Jesus Christ and yet never saw Jesus Christ. And yet there's a guy like Nicodemus or Zechariah, the wee little man in a tree. Zacchaeus, we'll go with him too. How many times do we come to church not prepared to see God? And we just wake up and just that's what we're supposed to do and we eat and we just come and we just walk in the door and God's looking for prepared people and it starts with a relationship with him 
Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? I'm not talking about knowledge. I'm not talking about data. I'm not talking about history. I'm talking about is there come a time in your life where you've come to understand that you're separated from God because of sin and you're in need of a Savior, just like I was in need of a Savior. And you came to the place where you drove the stake in the ground and you received Jesus Christ as your Savior. It starts there. But it doesn't end there. Maybe you did that a year ago. We heard some testimonies in the last months, in the last years of people who have done that, people who have come to Christ. Praise God for that. But what about you? How about today? Are you prepared? You know, we can be rightly prepared and wrongly positioned. Let's keep going with the text. Verse 7. Before we do that, let me give you some groundwork. Uh, Psych. Let's do some groundwork. A couple things about the area here. Um, So as we read, we understand what's taking place. Number one, I want to talk about the Jordan Valley. You can see that area that's circled there. Uh, The Jordan Valley extends from Sea of Galilee up in the north down to the Dead Sea. It's kind of a, a lowered area on the sides of each of this. The, the, the kind of the hills, the mountains rise up out of that. Then uh, I want to talk about the width of that valley area. The width of the valley area goes anywhere from 3 miles to 14 miles wide. And I don't know if you can tell up here or tell an, an image in your, in your Bible. Is it actually gets down to the Dead Sea. It gets very flat. It's, it, it's actually pretty narrow up by the Sea of Galilee. More terrain coming down, but it comes down to the Dead Sea. It kind of opens up, and it's like a 14-mile wide valley area down there, very broad. And then uh, within the valley, there's a flood plain. You know, that's kind of like if you're buying a house and how often does the water, can the water ever come up on a flood situation to our area? There's a flood plain in that. And the flood plain varies anywhere from about 200 yards wide, which is not that wide during flood season, to a mile wide, uh, especially down again lower in the lower area. So you've got this valley, you've got the width of that, you've got this flood plain area that goes. Then you have the Jordan River itself. Uh, That's where the actual water flows during normal time of the year. Uh, The the Jordan River is not what would be called an all-lazy river. I mean, there are areas of it that are kind of calm. You could get your inner tube, sit in it, and kind of have a nice casual float. Uh, but most of it is having some movement to it. It's not a five, you know, five star or whatever they call it, rapid whitewater rapids, but it's a moving kind of a river. The general river would be 90 to 100 feet wide. So that's 30 to 35 yards on a football field. (laughs) Kind of helps put it together. It's generally in that area. At flood stage, down by the Dead Sea area, it's known that the flood plain, and we're not talking every 100 years, we're talking on the seasonal kind of annual flood, is about a half mile to a mile wide. Now, think about this for a minute here, because if you have a river that's about, say, 35 yards wide at certain areas, and then it can come out and go maybe a quarter mile or a half mile or three-quarter mile wide, you have the area here where the river flows. Let's go ahead and go to the next slide there, and you can see where kind of the river flows. But one of the things that's often lost in this is all of kind of the desert, low, undergrowing stuff. Karen and I have been in this area, and and in the desert area, it's like, you know, 
bushes and uh, knee-high, waist-high off of the river. It's very thorny and very rough, and you would expect. Now, think about it. Just picture in your mind when the water is running normal, and then it comes and it floods up, all those bushes are underneath. It's not a walk on the beach across. You've got bushes and tangled stuff. It's just a horrible walk. So I have a question. Why cross now? We're going to see here in just a minute that we're a flood stage. (laughs) God, why cross now? I mean, you haven't been in that much of a rush so far I mean, you kind of were okay with like waiting 40 years. And now it's like, go, come on, come on, come on. We got to go. I mean, two months, just give me two months, God, and we can have a lot sweeter walk. Why in the flood? Because tomorrow the Lord is going to do wonders among you. And it takes a flood for God to be very clear who's doing this. And if it were just a regular flow, well, we could work it out. Two million people, camels, donkeys, and kitty cats, that's pretty hard. But when you're in a half mile wide flood stage, you are insane. That's why God does it now. God knew the exact right time to make this all happen because this is the exact kind of time that God needed to show his people as he's entering into everything that's about to happen. Look at me, watch me, I'm telling you, be impressed by me and I go ahead of you. In flood stage, verse 17, verse 7 through 17. Let's just read this. Uh, Then the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for, as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Joshua is now speaking. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail Drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. God's saying, watch me. As you enter, I'm showing you me so you know what's ahead. I'm in it. What a sweet God. Verse 11, behold, That's like ears perked up. Behold, listen, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth. By the way, that term, Lord of all the words, it's Lord of all the earth. It's actually quite a rare term that's used in the whole Old Testament. We've got it two times here. And behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the, soles of his feet of the, uh, when the soles of the feet of the priests, bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord uh, of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down uh, from above shall stand in one heap. 
So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests, uh, bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, man, we are climactic story moment here, and they put a parenthesis in. <laughs> By the way, it's at flood stage. Just in case we didn't know that before. Just in case before the God moment comes, understand, it's flood stage. Verse 16, and the waters coming down from above stood. And how does water stood? Stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarathon. And those flowing down toward the sea of the Araboth, the salt sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground. You know, I'm not going to get into talking about, you know, the uh, whole river thing. How did it happen? Oh, blah, blah, blah. It did. And that was a miracle. At flood stage. But not only was that a miracle. Who clears up water and at that moment it's dry? Miracle. And they stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel, two million people and everything else, was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Now, summary. Verse 7, the Lord speaks to Joshua, telling him how all this is going to go down. And then verse 9, Joshua speaks to the people and says, Hey, you want to know what God is like? You want to know that the living God is actually among us? Then then just hold on. Uh, Watch this. Verse 11, behold the ark. And the ark moves and it goes into the Jordan and, and then the soles of the feet of the priests step in. By the way, on that, when did the water start doing its thing? Was, was the priests are carrying it down? Was it when it touched at the very beginning of something started happening? Or was it when, it, when the feet are in all the way in? And then was it, or was it when the water's up to here, up to here? Because I got to tell you, at some point in time, I'm like, God, you better show up. And then you've got all the brush and the under stuff in the flood stage of it all. And, and I just here are, here are the, the, the priests carrying the ark. Leaders lead. Leaders go forth and they step in the turbulence of what's going on. And, and they're carrying the ark. Oh, and by the way, how far away were all the people from the ark? A half mile. I hope I don't blow the speakers here. Be patient. So they're going across. And what are they doing? All the people, all the people are watching this. Why a half mile? Because when you look at the text, God is saying, I want to lead you. You don't know where you're going. And I want for you to see this. I think that's why the half mile in this. And so here they are all standing back. And can you imagine all the people there and they're seeing the priest walk down and they're stepping in the water. And then they're like, whoa, look at the water. I don't know how this thing happened, but they saw it. Can you, would that not be a blast? I mean, just like we are right now, 
altogether if we were essentially a half mile away from all this happening? I'm telling you, if we're all standing here with our family and everything going on, and then you're standing back and down in that valley area, you can see a long ways and a half mile back, and you're seeing the water moving and stopping, and all of it's coming right out of the center where the ark is. Whoa! We're talking, aren't we? Whoa! God is awesome! God is awesome! Something like that. True? God wants to show himself. And he literally positions his people to see all of him. I love that. I love that. And so here they are standing through all of this. Standing can be really comfortable. Watching can be really a beautiful thing. And just kind of absorbing in what God's doing around and among. This can be a really nice place to be. Because you don't have to stick your feet in the water. And you don't have to go down there. And you don't have to go across over there. Because actually what's on the other side of the Jordan River is not a condo. War is on the other side. This is an entry into war. This is no walk down the beach. And this is a nice place to stay, a half mile away. But what did God tell the people then to do? Tell me. They're to cross over. They're then to come and to follow. And they're then to come in and walk through. And they're to come and see and experience. Can you imagine that whole walking by and the priests are there and you're like going, yeah, guys, this rocks. Uh, I mean, just that whole process, you come down and the ground is all dry and you're like, this is crazy. And you look back and there's, you know, I don't know, a million people in front of you and a million people behind you. And they're all in this experiencing this whole thing together. And you're like, this is crazy. This is awesome crazy. And you're walking through and you get across and you see everybody else coming back and you're on the other side of what's happening here. What has God just done? God has just shown himself huge to his people. And they've experienced it, not just seen it. Position is important. And I hope I'm not taking the text too far out of its context here. But people could have stayed up standing on the hill or in the valley area and just watch and go, no, don't want to do that. It's more comfortable there. I Just as I've been going through this, I'm sitting back and I'm asking myself, it's five years, five years, five years, and I haven't aged a bit. (laughs) But it's just like, God, you've done so much work in my life. You've so matured me in some ways and shown me ways I'm just so not there yet. And there's times where I honestly don't want to step in. Because it's treacherous. And it's risky.
That's not the position God called us to be in. Enter. Go forward. There's a time to stand and observe. There is a time. There's a time to pause. There is a time to just kind of come and look and see what God is doing. To to, uh, come to know him, to come to understand who he is and what he's about. To come to a place just to be healed by seeing what God is doing, if you will. A a time just to gather in what's going on. There is a time to stand. But standing is not it. In fact, let me kind of wrap towards this. Look at the prepositions in the passage. And I can't believe I'm saying that. Karen and I took English together in high school. And we both did not know grammar at all. How I got a grade to get out of that, I have no idea. But prepositions are words that tell about location or time or direction. Now let's take a, talk about location here. A preposition has to do with the location of various things. Location as in in, among, through, over, under, on. And let me just point out, where were the priests? Look at the prepositions that it's talking about. Verse 8. The, 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 the priests were standing still in the Jordan. In. That's where they were located. Verse 11, they were in the Jordan. Verse 13, they were in the waters of the Jordan. Verse 15, they were dipped in the brink of the water. Verse 17, the priest stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. There's prepositions all over this telling us where they were positioned at. The priests were in it, on it. And then what about the people? Well, at first we find out that we talk about they're a half mile away watching it. But then verse 17, there they are walking on it, passing over on dry ground. The prepositions tell location. Your position is important. And it's like, stand back, watch, see God at work, and enter and get into it. Put your feet in. Rightly prepared, rightly positioned. Both matter. Both matter. Verses 1 through 6 are all about rightly prepared. Be a prepared people for what God is going to do. And then verses 7 through 17 is get in prepositionally on it. I bring all this up because we're a church now that's five years old. Praise God. Let me do this as an illustration. No clapping. If you were on the launch team before we ever opened up, would you please stand if you're on the launch team? This isn't to acknowledge you. This is to kind of show a point. Number one, thank you. Thank you for stepping in. And can I say this for all of us? You took a risk. And you stepped in. And is it not true that out of that stepping in that God has done a work before you? Is it not true? It's, it's amazing. Stay standing. Uh, could I have, if you came on the very first launch Sunday in March 2008, would you stand? Wow, very cool. Hey, isn't it true? You came and, and, and you're able to be able to see, hasn't God just done a work before your eyes? Uh, go ahead and sit down. 
Could, could I have, if you've been on an international trip, whether it's through Harvest or through anybody in the last five years, would you please stand? And again, this isn't a pat on the back. It's not what this is intended to be. Although, thank you. Is it not true where you went and where you put your foot down in another place? Is it not true that God just taught you a whole lot through that? Isn't it true? It is. Hey, could I have, if you're a small group leader, would you stand? If you're a small group leader, would you stand? Is it not true that you've seen ministry? You've seen the blessings. You've seen the hardships of ministry. You've had the socks challenged off of you. How do you do ministry to people? Is it true? It is. Thank you. Go ahead and sit down. I just want to illustrate that when we step in, God shows himself out of that. Let's pray. Just with your head bow, heads bowed, eyes closed, I just let me run a couple thoughts by you here. Are you prepared? Are you at a place with the Lord where you need to be? A place where the Lord is able to show himself to you and through you? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Has there been that time in your life where you've driven the stake in the ground and you just don't have knowledge? You're, you're just not banking on some information, but you've entered into a covenant relationship. Hey, for those who got married, you know the day when you got married because you declared a covenant relationship. If you haven't done that, I just want to encourage you and challenge you. You need to do that. Enter into a relationship with God. That's where being prepared starts. That's a starting point. If you have questions about that, please come. And we've got some people down at the front at the end after the service would love to talk. Or if you came with someone, talk to them about that. Rightly prepare. Hey, Harvest, today is a crossing day to reflect upon what the Lord has done but we cross into the next 10 years God more of you right more of you let me just also ask are you positioned in there's a time to stand back and watch and maybe you're at that place and maybe you need to be at that place. But I also have to say here, there's a time to step in. And it can be scary. And it can be daunting. But I'm telling you, friends, there's nothing like it. We need you. We need you here. We need you stepping in. Lord God, I thank you for your kindness and your sweetness and your grace. We're about to enter in the part of the story where, frankly, war begins. And yet here before they enter into that reality, you take this moment to show your people you. 
and you do it in a miraculous and in a mighty way. Lord, I would pray that we would be a more prepared people, individuals prepared. Oh God, show us you. Have eyes ready to see you. Lord, I'm thinking of you. Where are you at right now and what's happening? Oh God, you're in control. You're a sovereign Lord that's involved in every affair of life. Oh God, may we be the kind of people that bring you into it. We connect you to life because you're already connected to it anyway. Pull the blinders off if that's what we need, Lord. Help us to see you work so that out of that, when we see the feet of God before us, that our feet would follow after you and your work and we would step in together for your glory. Five more ahead. They're all yours, God. In Christ's name we pray.